Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership with GMTA. If you are interested in learning more about our organization, please go to georgiamta.org. Today, we are joined by Pingyong Shi. Hello, Pingyong. Hi, Bebe. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Let's get started. Tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, I am the director of Momentum Arts and Music, which is a fine arts school and located in Atlanta. I'm teaching piano there. Well, actually, I started to learn piano at the age of six. At that time, my family was poor. I even couldn't get a piano to practice. I remembered clearly at the beginning, I practiced on a toy piano till the kids were not enough for me. And then my parents, they took turns to ride me on their bicycle to go to one high school where they both were teachers and to practice on a piano in the gym. That was a very tough time. And then I was um, borrowing the pianos from my age six to 12. So finally I got my own piano. You know, to practice piano to me, I feel like it's a privilege. So I really, really self-motivated and then did it mostly on my own. And then I kept uh, taking lessons and was uh, showing interesting in learning. So I decided to go to uh, university and to take piano as my major, which I did. So um, I graduated from uh, the University of Chinese Culture in Taipei, Taiwan, and earned my bachelor's degree in music. And a year later, I went to Germany to continue my study. I spent three years in Freiburg Music Hochschule, where I was in, by then called West Germany. So three years, I graduated from there and I was certified as a pedagogical piano teacher. I can give uh, private lessons. And since then, I just enjoy my career and then being a piano teacher. And during this time of study in um, Taiwan and Germany, I just found out, you know, due to the differences in teaching piano techniques and the philosophies between most of Asia and Germany, I found out my learning directions have been changed a lot. You know, I still remember the first time I had a lesson from my professor Wolfgang Farrell in Music Hochschule, Germany. For the first lesson, before I play anything for him, he simply asked me to have my eyes closed and to touch the piano with my hands. That was a very special moment because back home, I practiced so much, so hard for each piece on the piano because I was so afraid that I might make many mistakes. I might 
let my teacher down. So it didn't give me any time to enjoy the music. I always had a huge, big effect about this huge and big instrument because I felt like if I didn't work hard enough, I would be in trouble. So I have never had a chance in the time to think that music is much more than notes, numbers, and dynamics. So at that special moment, it really struck me that actually piano and I were partners. We should work together to bring out the real spirit of music. I think, you know, the time I spent in Germany was also another new chapter to me to understand what music really is and to change my learning and practicing attitude. So after I graduated from uh, Germany, I came back to USA to join my family. And then I started to work as a private music teacher. So I kept that way till I moved to Atlanta. I realized it would be nicer if I could have my own place to, to teach and then to do more I want to do. So I started my uh, school, which is called Momentum Art and School. And then so I'm still working there. Can I back up to the beginning? Um, why is it that you started piano lessons? Um, was it your decision or was it your parents' decision? Well, I think it was my parents' decision. You know, by then there were not many things for the kids to do. And then my mother thought, well, why don't you learn something, you know? So, and simply she was the, the one, the person who gave me this opportunity to, to learn. Of course, at the same time, two of my cousins were also taking lessons together. So all, all three together, three of us, we had the same opportunities to learn, but uh, unfortunately the other two cousins, they decided quick to do it. But somehow my mother encouraged me, insist that I should go on. And I was glad you know, <laughs> I followed her instruction and then walked on throughout my life in music. And then I'd like to explore that transition from Taiwan to Germany. First, why Germany? Um, you know, there are so many countries with so many <laughs> wonderful music programs. How, did, how is it that you chose Germany out of all of the programs? One professor who taught us a music theory in my college was graduated from that school, which is called Music Hochschule in Freiburg. He graduated from there. So after he came back to Taiwan to teach, he had highly recommended how wonderful, how marvelous the program over Europe was. And then with his help and with his um, everything. So we had a chance, uh, I had a chance to go to Germany just because of him. Yeah, and then so I, I went to Germany to Freiburg, which is a very pretty city. It's the main city from Black Forest. It's mm. very pretty. I see. Did you have to learn German in order to study there? Yes, well, actually, um, at the beginning, I, I thought English would be good enough to use in, in, in Freiburg, in Germany. So I, I went to uh, 
German school in Taipei, but you know, I didn't study much. I only knew the basic words like, you know, goodbye, eat, how are you? Very simple. So after I went to the city, I found out, you know, although um, the five of, you know, the, the students residents, they, they, they were bilinguals, but they are German and the French. Not many uh, people uh, spoke English by then. So I had to um, attend a language school for the first semester to learn German. One thing good is, you know, since music is international language, you didn't need to have too many words. So, but you can communicate. So I was lucky. So I, I did attend German school first and then joined the music school. Tell me a little more about the curriculum that you took there and the classes and the um, teachers and the classmates that you encountered. Um, you know, you already shared this really wonderful story about your very first lesson and closing your eyes and touching the piano. Yes. What yes. other lessons did you learn um, during your time there? Well, uh, first of all, I think you have to be quite reasonable for yourselves. You know, the teacher assigned you the work. You just have to, um, you know, find ways to practice. Because by then, I, I lived in a dorm. There was no piano provided. So I had to go to school every, every morning. See, the, the policy over there by then was, you know, you can schedule the time you want to play for each classroom the day before to sign in. So, you know, we, we tried to be there as early as we could so we could sign in the time, so for the, the day to practice, for the next day to practice. And then, so um, I have to say, you know, the uh, environment and the school equipment are so good. There were always two huge Steinways in each classroom. And then those, you know, German-made uh, Steinway, to me, sounded quite special. As you know, it was not easy to practice. So whenever you had a chance to schedule two hours for the next practice in certain rooms, you knew this, it was a blessing. So you, you had to know your time wisely. And then the other thing is, you know, in, in uh, Europe, in Friday, the town which I stayed, it was so easy to go to the concerts, you know, to go to the uh, opera, everything is so easy. So you feel like, you know, the, it's, the music's really around you. And the other thing is fabric was very pretty. So when I got there, I suddenly realized how come those European composers could compose such pretty music by, you know, at their time. I think because, you know, the environment, everything would give them some kind of idea, you know, to compose pretty music. So I think, and then also the teachers over there, they, they did ask you to think. You know, of course, we need to get the basic things pretty well done. But in addition, you should be able to let the teachers know what your own thought, what your own imputation about this piece. So I think, you know, by then you really feel, at least to me, I feel like, wow, music is so close to me. I don't need to afraid anymore. I just feel like, you know, this is part of me. I, I can express my feelings through the music. So learning to me was more like no pressure, less pressure, but more enjoyment. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, then you said after Germany, 
you came to America um, to join your family. So it sounds like at that point, your family had immigrated from Taiwan to America. Exactly, baby, exactly. Yeah, when I studied in Germany, the, the meantime, they immigrated to America. So after I graduated, and well, actually, um, I was certified to be able to teach in, in, in Germany. But, you know, being away from home for more than three years, I just wanted to be back <laughs> quickly. So I, I came back to, to um, Atlanta. Well, by then we lived in Augusta, Georgia. So I came back to Augusta to enjoy them. And uh, um, the reason I, I had my own school was, you know, when I, when I studied in Germany, I had a chance to work for a preschool. You know, they have so many music class. But, you know, even though by then, the, the teacher gave the children time to think. For example, the teacher will say, right now, here comes the little bear. And then, you know, the students start to, to act like, you know, the, the little bear is coming. And then she will say, well, here comes the butterfly. And then the children will just, you know, stand to dance. And then I work for her. I have to, I have to be very um, improvised. How to so that if, if she said, here comes the bear. And I have to, oh, no, I have to, you know, imagine or the, the sounds the bear was walking. And then she said, oh, here comes the bear. So I, I had so much fun to work with the children. So when I came back here, you know, I also had the chance to, to work for the um, school as the uh, kindergarten apparel. You know, I did help them to play the piano, but I think it did give me some kind of influence about you can be a piano teacher with so much fun to work with your kids, you know, not only to give them basic foundation skills, but also give them some creative thinking, let them realize, wow, piano is fun. I can always express how I feel to everything. So I think, you know, the time I spent, I say, in Germany, really, um, gave me the second chance to think what music is. Yeah, now that we have made it through your schooling and um, the start of your teaching career, can you share with me what are some of your favorite memories as a teacher? Uh, baby, well, decades ago, I, I had the um, honor of teaching two students who are disabled. One was nearly blind. The other student was deaf. You know, to, to be able to work with them, I could consider it should be the most challenging but most rewarding teaching experience in my whole life. You know, by teaching with them, <laughs> I, yeah. I have learned how important it is to have patience to work with students. I also have learned how important it is to be flexible in teaching, to meet students' needs. How important it is to co collaborate with parents in order to get the full support from home. You know, um, this kind of memory I could never forget. 
these two students, they work so hard and then they participate all kinds of activities I have provided. They even though played for the local competition and was recognized by award. Maybe when I had a chance to teach students like them, I feel like, you know, being a teacher, not only to give some uh, knowledge about how to play, but you have to have passion to understand the ones you are working with. You know, being able to work with these two kids, I think they should be the most favorite memories as a teacher. You know, right now they, they, were, they are all over 40s, you know, but whenever I think about those two kids can never be forgotten by me. Describe your journey as a teacher. How have you changed? Who or what have been your key influences? This is very good question. I think I'm going to use several uh, musical terms to describe my teaching journey. At the beginning, I think vivace and fortissimo are good words. You know, by then I was pretty young and uh, I was full of energy and I set up very high expectations to me and to the students. And then I pushed them so hard in order to make the standard I set up. And then gradually I realized it didn't, it didn't go too far because um, teacher, parents, students, we were all under pressure. So learning and teaching was no fun. So I, I changed, even though the um, expectations are the same, but the tempo, the attitude toward it has been changed. I stay in undante and mezzoforte. So it's slowing down, but still get all the things we uh, are set up to be accomplished. But as you know, right now, it's adagio and mezzoforte. <laughs> well, the, the reason, uh, you know, I have changed is really because so many things. First of all, my life experiments. I realized besides learning piano, kids can also do so many things to enrich their life. So piano is not the first priority in their learning anymore. And second of, of course, my age right now, I'm not work, working with my formal students' children. I also work with their parents. So, you know, the, the entire atmosphere has been changed because all the students right now are so sweet to me. So when you see the sweet persons are sitting over there, even though they don't perform well, even though they don't practice enough, you always will find some good reasons for them. So in this way, <laughs> my expectations are still there, but it will take so much longer to meet them. For example, usually I can ask my student to play C major scales as 80 for quarter note within one week. But right now, well, still the same expect expectation, maybe one month, you know, the things are getting much slower.
but I feel like, you know, I had to, not because the experiments age, but also the environment, you know, because you can see right now, you know, the, the IT is so, so much, you know, they have so many things to do, like for the past uh, year, all the kids, they had school at home due to the COVID-19 virtual. So, so they, they have so many things to do. So I still insist what I need to, but just, you know, time, attitude, everything's getting slower. So I think, you know, Adagio Mezzoforte should be good words to describe this teaching situation. What would you say is the balance between talent and work ethic when it comes to determining success in the student? Sure, yeah. Maybe, you know, being a teacher just over a half century, <laughs> I have um, seen or met many kids who are in both categories. If you ask me, I feel like, of course, I would the best if I could with a student who are not talented, but also work very hard. If not, I have to say, to work hard to me is more important. Uh, talent to me means, you know, if, I, if I'm teaching a student, if I say, wow, if, when you try to interpret this, this phrase, think about waterfall. Huh? When you see, when you hear the waterfall, you know, the, you know the, the water goes smoothly and then, you know, silently quiet. So if I give the talented student a picture about how to perform it, this student can very quick get my message and then, then can perform it on the keyboard. But the other hand, the other kids, they might not understand what I want if I say, Let's play water, waterfall should be, but he might play da, 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 da. So, you know, I don't give up. I keep reinforce what I want. Da, 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 da. So, you know, eventually he will get what I asked for. But meanwhile, he has practiced so much. So, you know, it, it will be sticking on his head for, for a long time. But with the ones who are talented, they might, they might do a couple of times, they thought they get it, but without practicing, without, you know, reinforcement exercise, it, it, it will be done quickly. So to me, at this, as the very uh, basic foundation teacher, I feel like practice more can be equal to talent, only time, time consuming. But with a lot of talent, but didn't work hard enough, it was it's only temporary. Mm. So mm. that's that's why I I think so. I I really encourage my kids to practice harder. Yes, yes. What advice do you have for parents who have children taking lessons? How can they encourage and help them to succeed? What role do parents play in a child's musical development? Well, baby, this is a very interesting question, a very good point, because you know, 99% of my students are Chinese. You know, we have heard so many stories about tiger mother. And I have to admit, in my studio, they certainly are some tiger mothers, you know. 
And I always invite parents to sit in for their children's lesson because first of all, I want them to know what I'm teaching, how I'm teaching, what are the responsibilities the parents have be able to help the children at home. So I always invite the parents to sit in. And then some parents can be very quiet and some parents will give the comments much more than the, than the teacher does. And I was see, I told you, see, I told you, you know, things like that. And then so um, that will make the students quite nervous, but you know, because of the uh, Chinese culture, I will never, never say, give my comments about the parents' attitude in front of the students, because I feel like, you know, parents should have their authority. So I never do that. But afterwards in the night, I will call the parents and let them know this kind of behavior is not proper in the, in the class. So I would like to say to all the parents, number one is no comparison between children. You know, you can see the childhood and then the mom will say, see, did I tell you the next door, David, he will never do that. You know, things like, please don't do that. And the other one is always give positive encouragement. Just be positive. I, I think it's, it's quite difficult for the, uh, for the Asian parents to learn that. You know, just like, you know, if the kids get 99 points of the test, instead of giving some kind of rewarding mama, I say, how come you cannot get 100? What's wrong with that one point? You know, So I feel like in this century, especially, especially the kids, they were born and growing in this, this country. We should let them know each one of them is special. They all have their own different specialties and we have to honor them. So my, my advice is no comparison between children, positive encouragement and add no pressure on the kids. You know, I think some parents, they, they think uh, in order to learn how to play the piano, mainly is for the competition. If you particip participate competition, of course you should win. You know, this kind of learning pressure, I don't think is healthy. I don't think it's healthy. So I, I feel like, you know, um, positive encouragement and no comparison and also no pressure. And if I say, what can parents do? I would like to say, um, help children to enjoy music and develop a real passion of learning music. And like, you know, uh, enjoy music, that means, you know, once in a while, take the children to the concert to listen to, how the other people play, also learn some manners about how to, how to join the concert. You know, like um, when provide a comfort zone or a comfort environment for the children to practice, such like, you know, if the kids are practicing, make sure to turn off the TV and everything, just, you know, let them to have a quiet time. If possible, hopefully the mother or the father can be there on the side, you know, to, to go through the practice with them together. In this way, the child will not think, this is the only thing he, she should do, but also the parents is be there with them. So I think this is important. And then I think also to um, let the children want to learn to piano on their own. I know this is hard because sometimes if you want them to learn the music by them, 
by them on they might not want to play at all. But I think the parents should have the wisdom to be able to help them to know, wow, this this is. I think you know just as a teamwork, yeah, just a teamwork, yeah. So what kind of role the parents should be? I feel like you know the parents should provide their children with guidance, assistance, support, and help in every possible way. And then I support like, you know, um, I know to bring the children back and forth to the lessons, to pay the tuition, whatever, it's all the support. But, you know, that's not the only thing. The parents' roles are paying whatever is is not something you you, you just have to nurture the, the children with uh, love and with patience. So I think they're very important. Yeah, uh, obviously we are both Asian and we're having this conversation about Asian culture. You know, I, it makes me think, uh, I was blessed to grow up in a family with parents that are very encouraging and very supportive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can understand that mindset that parents, some um, Asian parents would have that compares their child with the next door neighbor or say, why don't you get a uh, hundred instead of 99.5? You know, I think their motivation is to uh, to encourage their child to succeed, um, not realizing that if they do that one too many times, it can be discouraging because there's always someone who is better, right? Like even if you are better than David, well, then there's Ashley that is even better. And, and you're always trying to be the best. Well, you'll never be the best. And that can be a really kind of discouraging race to be and to always feel like you're actually constantly failing because there's always mm-hmm. someone you. Um, and so I, I hear that motivation from Asian parents um, and, it, you know, their, their motivation is for their child to, to feel that competition to drive them, um, not realizing that it can be discouraging in the long run. Well, I, I believe because the uh, education background, the parents, they were educated in Asia, but the kids they are educated in this country. You know, I was also a public school teacher for 34 years. So I knew American education better and better. You know, in, in school, the, the teacher, the teachers try very hard to let children understand they are special. They are just the individual, you know, they don't, it's different. So I think at this moment, I, be, I prefer to, educate the parents, let them know, let them know, you know, some kind of uh, positive comments or, or um, mm-hmm. to show their love, the passion to news and to the children will make the whole thing much, much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's turn our attention to your time in GMTA and MTNA. How did you hear about the organization and what has being part of this organization meant to you? Well, actually, you know, um, being a member uh, with GMTA and MTNA for such a long time, I feel like that I belong to a very happy music family. Um, GMTA was first introduced to me by my colleague. She told me, you know, through this organization that students from grade four to 12 could play for the competition annually. That's why that was the reason I joined this 
organization. But as time went by, I got to know this organization better. And then I feel like, you know, this is such a nonprofit organization. It's run smoothly by volunteers from its member. Uh, and then, so after I discovered this and I decided, you know, that I should be doing my part too. Uh, since then, I have been more active and then now I serve as the uh, state uh, audition chair for fourth and fifth grades, you know. I just want to um, encourage all of the members to serve as a volunteer in all ways for this organization. You know, in this way, they can really, really sense how great it is to be part of this family. So I feel like, you know, uh, we do we do everything voluntarily because we knew how special this organization is. So whatever it meant to me, it meant like, you know, I feel like with this organization, we could get most of the teachers together. We could have the students to get together to do all kinds of activities together. And also it provides such wonderful chances, event for us to, to be, you know, study further like the conference each year and providing such wonderful program. So the reason I, I heard this one was very uh, selfish because of competition. <laughs> but after I got into it, I knew it, and I just love this organization very, very much. And I feel like if I can be part of it, it should be my honor. That mm. I want to mention to our listeners that that was one of the points that was mentioned in the article about you, which is available on our GMTA website. Um, when you won <laughs> 2018 Teacher of the Year <laughs> Award, um, it was noted that you always volunteer, um, that you're always present, and you give so generously of your time for for these auditions, and you've served on local boards. Um, and so I love hearing. Your, your side of the story and your encouragement of others to participate. Thank you for thanks yes. for volunteering in our organization. Tell me about your plans for the near future. What is the next two to five years like for you? You know, since I'm at Adagio and Mezzo 40 stage right now, so for the coming two and five years, I would like to do some community services. And then first of all, you know, I, I want to um, form a children's choir. As I have mentioned before, I was a public school teacher for the past 34 years. And the students whom I work with, they are all minority kids. For them, there's, they don't have the privilege or they cannot afford to have any piano or violin, any instrument uh, private lessons. But they do carry their own instrument with them. So, um, I think to have a children's choir, and it's my dream, it's my wish, I would like to try if I can find a proper teacher and enough students. So this will be my goal. That sounds great. Tell me a little bit about what you do in the summers. I know that summers are kind of unusual times for a lot of teachers because students go on vacation and uh, schedule is a little different than during the school year. Tell me about what your summer is like. My summer is quite fun, you know, uh, running a music summer camp is my next favorite thing after giving prevalence for the entire school year. 
my summer camp uh, is uh, designed as uh, each section run for five days, but eight hours per day. <laughs> and then I only invite six children to participate because there are seven pianos in my studios, in my, in my school. And then I want to make sure each one of them will have an instrument to practice. And then I'm also invited a guest teacher to give each student an hour per lesson every day. So you can imagine the camp start by nine, but some children will be there early since their parents were still working. So officially from nine to five. So they start to practice right after they got to my school. And then we do this, six children stay in six different rooms. And I will, tell, I will let them know the first hour they need to practice skills. So hour later, I will knock the first door and the students knew it's time for them to move to the next one. So they will get their belonging, move to the next classroom and pass another two hours. So in this way, they'll get three good hours practice in the morning. And then the lunch uh, is really a special treat. I ask them to order whatever they want to eat. So I will go and, and get a uh, lunch for them. So we'll have a good lunch together for an hour. And after that, they, they will go back to the room to practice again <laughs> till three o'clock. I'll take them to go to the small park, which is just in the corner uh, to my studio. And then we took a snack and then we spend there for the good 30 minutes and after back, and then we practice again till five. And then of course they, they receive good five hours practice daily plus one hour private lesson. And can you imagine baby after five days boot camp training, they did so well. So we, we always have recital at the last day. Mm. You know, the parents could not believe what they saw, what they heard. You know, usually it was so, so hard for, for the parents to motivate the kids to practice. But believe it or not, when the kids practice over there and then they knew they were not the only ones, they knew the other kids was practiced together. So they did it really for fun. And then um, uh, at the beginning, the kids thought there was a torture, you know, five hours practice, blah, 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 blah. But you cannot believe it. To end up the, the last day, they didn't want to go home. But I, I want to take a break. It was so much work for me. My job was drill sergeant. I want to make sure everybody practice without playing with their uh, iPhone. And I want to make sure, you know, they did practice proper assignments, you know, which was assigned to, assigned to them to practice. I also had to make sure they were safe and okay. And I also had to provide the lunch, whatever. So it was so much for me, but it was a reward of it. You know, I really enjoy, I only do two sessions per summer. And then, so it's so funny, after um, the children attend once, they all wanted to be back next time. So my summer camp was not for fun or to make money, whatever, no. Just, just six kids each session and make sure they came here, they got whatever I want or their parents want, but eventually they want to be too. So this is my summer camp. I have been doing that every year. Sometimes the parents, even asked me to do the winter camp. That means, you know, <laughs> during the Christmas time, <laughs> I said, this, is, this is, is, is a lot of work to run the camp. 
So this summer and last summer, I didn't have it because due to the situation. But I really want to share this with uh, you and with other teachers. Although it was a lot of work, but it was really rewarding. Kids practice so much after they, they learn and they got learning habits. When they went back home, their practicing situation or pregnant attitude was also getting better because they, they realized, you know, the more they practice, the better they can be. So it was really, this was very uh, interesting <laughs> assignments for me. So to run the summer camp, I really, really enjoy. And they can also do some, uh, do some chamber music. You know, sometimes they play for hands and then they do some singing, you know, it's not things like, ah, oh, five hours, six hours practice. No, 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 we, we still have fun, but many concentrate on practicing. Do you take their phones away from them? Oh, uh, yes, sometimes I do. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I also ask them to, to practice with door open because, you know, the, it was noisy anyway. So I just let them open so I can, you know, I walk back and forth, really like the drill sergeant, you know, so whenever the, uh-uh, practice, bro. So it was, yeah, so, so and then I, I didn't teach them at that week. I invite another colleague to, to work with them. First of all, you know, they will be fresh to have a new teacher to work with. The other thing is, you know, they feel like all oh, different teachers do give different interpretations. So they, they are the ones who need to use their, in their mind to see which one they think is more proper for this section or for this group. I, I enjoy doing that very much. And yeah. how old are these students that you have? Definitely uh, fifth grade and up, and plus the little ones, mostly their assignments were not uh, advanced enough they should handle, but many, you know, middle school and up. Yeah, it really, really, you cannot imagine, maybe, you know, when they walked to, the, to my school, they knew exactly, they all went to different rooms, and the da 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 the practice, I'm not the first door, time to change, like the, they took their things, moved to the next room. So if they can take turns, you know, six pianos all together, that, that means they are done with their practice and with one hour private lesson, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder if something like this helps students to discover their potential, right? Because a lot of, a lot of students without being stretched, they think that their level is here, but when they are put in a high pressure challenging situation, they suddenly, their eyes are open and they discover, exactly. wait, my level is not here. My level is way higher. And in exactly. fact, maybe even if I worked harder, my potential is even greater than I ever imagined it could be. Exactly, baby, exactly. You know, some kids, most, well, actually most of the kids, they brought in brand new piece for the camp. And then as you know, the, uh, the advanced, uh, the high school or middle school students, the pieces they, they were working on are more advanced, you know? And so they, they brought in a very brand new piece uh, with daily at least five hours practicing and one hour private lesson every day. The end for the, the recital, they performed beautifully. And this really, they, they themselves were surprised, you know, because just like you said, they didn't know, they do have potential, but sometimes, you know, we just need to give them a, Boost to let them know you are special. As long as you work hard, you can get it done. You know. So really, I, I really enjoy. So 
besides teaching you know, during the school year, like a private music, private teacher, and this camp is so much fun, but it's really a, a lot of work. So I have six kids to make sure each of them will receive several hours practicing under no pressure <laughs> yeah, to, to play. So this is the thing I, I do at summer and I really enjoy it. Do you have any advice for young musical professionals and teachers as they embark on their careers and enter professional life? I do, I do. Maybe uh, I would like to use um, four words to express my thought. First of all, I think you really have to have a commitment. I think no matter what we do in, in each different areas, you, you just have to have the commitment. Like, you know, you know, this is the, this is the thing you want, such as at the beginning, you will not have many students because nobody knows you. There's no, no words stretched out. So you, you really have to have patience, you know, as um, I, I realized, you know, when I was the beginning teacher, I just had couple of students, but you know, the schedule was, was apart, like one is three o'clock, the other one is seven o'clock. Then so you just have to be patient enough to, to know this is your commitment. It will be okay. You just need to wait. And like, you know, sometimes you will work with some uh, special students or, or slow students. You just have to have enough patience to know eventually this student can be special too. And sometimes you, you might meet some um, parents, you know, they are difficult to deal with. You will never let them make you down. You just have to realize what your commitment is. Your commitment is you want to be a teacher who will enjoy this field. So whatever happened temporarily, you just be patient and let it go. So I think commitment is very important. And the other thing is consistency. If you know what you are doing is right, you have to stick on it. Uh, don't let it be changed. You just consistency to follow your mind, follow your own idea. And the other one is confidence. You know, especially for the, for the young teachers, they are not quite sure what they want to be. So sometimes they hear some different thoughts or comments. They will question themselves. So I want the young professional or young college kids to understand, do have confidence. Do trust in yourself. After you know what your commitments are, after you keep it doing day, daily, you know, just tell yourself, I know what I'm doing. So please do not let the other people's comments or, or attitude bothering you because you know whatever you want, eventually you will win the battle. You know, for those so many years, I work with so many uh, parents. Of course, at the beginning, I was wondering, I was shaking, am I doing right, am I doing wrong? And then, you know, for so many uh, things are proof that whatever I'm teaching, whatever my philosophy is not wrong, then I insist what I am. And I always tell the parents, you know, to learn piano is not the student's need, it's student's want. So if I am not the right teacher for you, you can try the others. It doesn't mean you have to be with me forever. No, no. So my point is, if you know what you are doing, and if you know this is the right direction to go, do have confidence within yourself. Don't let the other 
comments or whatever bothering you, you just stay firmly and let them know you are special. So, you know, because if the teacher, if the parents know how you are, who you are, if they think you are the right teacher for their children, they will come to you. But for the new teachers, for the young professional, this is, uh, this is not easy. Take time, just wait. And the last one is communication. As we all know right now, learning and teaching is not the individual responsibilities, but it's a whole group effort. So you need to communicate with parents. You need to communicate with your students. You need to communicate with your colleagues. Like, you know, if you see, wow, this kid does not make any progress within four or five weeks, you need to communicate to find out why. Maybe the pieces he, she is playing is not giving much fun to them, or maybe the, the present situation, some, something must be wrong. So you need to be able to communicate to find out and also to, to deal with the parents. You need to let the parents communicate to let the parents know what your expectations are and what their expectations to you are. So in this way, when you work together, it should be a very harmony team. And also you know, to, to commun communicate with uh, colleagues so you can find out so many things they know, but you don't, and they can, you can share with each other. So for the young professionals, I really think four C's, commitment, consistency, confidence, and communication. Wow, that's fantastic. What a fantastic end to our interview. Thank you, Pinyoung, for your time, for your insights, and for your wisdom from all of your years of experience and sharing it with me and with our listeners. This was a fun and interesting conversation. I wish you happy teaching and happy students.